Welcome to Academy H, our Masks Actual Play podcast. I am JD, and I play Casimir Bright, aka Spectral. Welcome back if you've been here before. Welcome for the first time if you haven't. Welcome Danny's Dads, which I think is what we're calling our fans. I hope it's what we're calling our fans. We are live from the Apocalypse, a not-for-profit TTRPG studio that raises money for aid organizations and progressive causes. We are currently raising money for Rainbow Railroad, and you can find out more about them as well as ways to donate if you go to livefromtheapocalypse.com. We do most of our donations during our streams. If you are able to join us for those streams, those are the best ways to donate, but you can always donate at any time with the links mentioned before. If you have not gotten to join us for a live recording of Academy H, we record every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, if you're able, we'd love to have you hanging out and chat with us one of these Sundays. But that's enough on that. For today's episode, well, today's episode is a special one. Because we have a special guest star. Corey, one of our cast members from another LFTA show class reunion, joined us for the recording of this arc. You can find him at Scoochius on the Bird app. No, I will not call it anything else. And he's a cool person, so you should go give him a follow. And with that, I think without further ado, and without saying something that is going to make me have to re-record this once again, it's time for Add-Ons and Extras, Part 2. Kaz, you are in the coffee shop, the Farbricks, and Alistair Infernum has just gotten up and left. You are probably thinking of doing the same very shortly when you notice something strange. You notice a group of three men enter through the front of the store. You probably wouldn't think anything of it except that they're all dressed the same and the way that they are dressed is very familiar to you. Each of them is wearing a like big long leather coat over a gray one piece and they have goggles pulled down over their eyes. Az is going to sit back and uh, watch them and see what they do. One of them who's standing in the middle is going to clear his throat. Can we have everyone's attention, please? They are each going to pull out from under their coats an automatic weapon. Oh, thank God. I thought it was a flash mob. (laughs) (laughs) They just start breakdancing like they're on a subway car. (laughs) I was 100% sure it was a flash mob. 100%. No, don't worry. Don't panic. It's not a flash mob. They just pull out automatic weapons. Oh, right. Um, yes. So, so much, much better. better. So Ooh. much better. <laughs> oh, that's a relief. The one in the middle says, can we have everybody's attention, please? And they all pull out automatic weapons. And he kind of like spreads his arms. He starts like walking farther into the store very theatrically and says, extra, extra, read all about it. This corpo-fascist coffee chain has been found guilty 
of exploiting its workers, destroying the planet, and contributing to a culture of moral and ethical disparity. And for that, we, the moral majority, come to pass judgment. And one of the ones standing up at the front just like pumps a fist into the air and says, 10-10. Okay. I think it takes Kaz a moment to process all of that. And then he's going to slip his phone into his hand out of his pocket and just quietly say, Magil, I need you to alert the squad. I need backup. <laughs> Funny thing about that. Everyone who has Magil installed and set up is currently on the Sky Spire. Yep. Which is great, because Kaz has no idea of that. And uh, the second thing Kaz is going to do is stand up and say, you guys don't have to do this. This isn't the way. The uh, person who has been doing most of the talking, the middle guy, is going to round on you, still has the weapon in hand, and is going to approach the table where you are now standing and is going to look you up and down and say, it may not be the right way, but it gets results. And he's going to like look over his shoulder and he's going to say, start setting the explosives. Don't let anybody leave. Everybody is very frozen in their seats at this point, looking around, not sure what to do. The other two people in the long, dark coats are going to each pull out a duffel bag and start doing exactly that. It looks like they start setting up explosives. And I think Kaz is going to continue to address the one who's standing in front of him and say, these people aren't the problem. These are just people who needed their cup of coffee for the day. They're the ones as fucked as the system you're fighting back against. So why are you taking this out on them? At least let them go. You want to destroy property? That's one thing. But killing a room full of people who don't deserve it? That's fucked up, man. You're right. These people aren't the problem. Society is the problem. And the only way to get society to pay attention is to play by the same rules. You know what those rules are? Enlighten me. It's going to lean on the table with, like, the weapon up on his shoulder. There are no rules. My guy, my guy, have you seen Heathers too many times? Because, uh, if you had, I think you would realize this does not end well for you. I don't even know who she is. <laughs> yeah that's on me for making that reference uh you know what um all right we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way and kaz is going to activate his powers because as far as i know i have backup coming what does it look like when you activate your powers in this particular instance um, in this instance, I mean, it's similar to the usual. Uh, Kaz is surrounded by a purple shadowy aura and all of the pieces of bone embedded in his body jewelry and uh, the pins in his jacket 
start to float around him. And in this instance, I think also start to come together and start growing more quickly than usual. Because typically when he activates his powers, it's just a show. But he is clearly getting ready to fight. They're all wearing goggles, but you can tell that his eyes widen and he's going to take a step back. The other two are going to stop doing what they're doing as you are clearly using magic or at least some type of superpower. He's going to bring his weapon like down off his shoulder across his chest, but you can tell that he is not entirely ready to do this. And he is going to say, hey, stop, stop doing that now. I thought you said there are no rules, man. There aren't any rules. Stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a fucking rule, man. (laughs) Sounds like a rule. Checkmate, anarchists. (laughs) I think the two by the front door, one of them is going to, like, drop the bag and the gun and say, nope, I'm out. And the other one is going to follow shortly after and say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done too. And the uh, one who's standing in front of you is going to call after them. Cowards, you were never pure enough for this mission. And I think Kaz is just going to look him up and down and say, still as tough without your buddies behind you. And this guy now standing in front of you with the gun across his chest is going to, like, square his jaw. His voice is going to shake a little bit as he's saying this, but he's still going to say, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life. You're looking a lot like the thief. And I think uh, Kaz is not going to show the effect those words have on him and is just going to say, you can't even get your own material. You have to take it from others. Do you have a single original idea in your brain? Clearly this is a bridge too far, as he then raises the weapon to point it at you for the first time. I don't think you want to do that. That's not particularly original either. Plenty of people have pointed guns at me, even in recent weeks. Tried to derail my bombing this coffee shop I could tolerate, but accusing me of plagiarism. (laughs) (laughs) Kaz, it sounds like you are pretty committed to trying to talk this guy down. So I think I want you to roll with superior. You're using the provoke someone move. Okay. That is an 11. Great, great. Uh, then you say that you are glowing, you have bone shards floating around you, and his hands are going to drop the gun to his side. He's not going to let go of it, but he is going to, he's going to say, this isn't over. And he's going to turn and run out of the coffee shop, assuming you let him go. I think Kaz does let him go in this instance. I think Kaz is more concerned about the collateral damage and, um... He's also got Chase back at the dorm to uh, ask some questions to, so I don't think he feels like he needs to stop this guy, and I think he feels like if he tries, there's the potential other people are quite literally going to get caught in the crossfire. Okay, so you're heading back to the dorm? 
I'm going to deal with the explosives and make sure like those are put in some sort of secure location. Uh, But outside of that, yes, I am then going to head back to the dorm. You check all that out and it it's clear to you that they did not get the chance to set up the explosives. It is all homemade stuff. You're not 100% sure it would even work, to be honest. Yeah, you can absolutely kind of like section it off, even move it out the front door, especially with your magic if you want to, until the police or whoever you contact shows up to deal with it. After you wrap all of that up, we're going to cut back to the Sky Spire. Luminary and Nightfall wait for you as you walk towards them. Luminary, you have met several times now at this point. She is above average height and definitely built like a runway model. She does not wear a mask or anything like that. She has short-ish hair that is swept back and appears to sort of have every color of the rainbow in it at all times. It kind of shimmers and changes hue as you look at it. Her costume is primarily silver. She does have a cape that kind of drapes over one shoulder, and she is standing one hip cocked to the side and hand sort of resting on it. Nightfall, you have met only once before, and only fairly briefly in passing. But she is more of an average height. She wears a suit of armor, which is very fitted to her form, and she is surprisingly mobile in. The sections of the armor are jointed together in a way that a regular suit of armor could not possibly be, where it kind of moves with her every movement and does so very smoothly, never seeming to grate on itself or really rub up against itself at all. Over that, she wears a very dark green cloak that billows around her, and a cowl that is pulled up, concealing her face in dark shadows. But as you approach, she would remove the cowl, pull the hood back, and the magical darkness that, like, hides her face dissipates in the process. It kind of just melts away. She is a a woman of basically exactly the same age as Luminary, if you had to guess. She is black, and her dark hair is plaited into a braid, that falls down over one shoulder. And she looks perpetually much friendlier than Luminary does. She has a surprisingly warm expression on her face. And she says, we really appreciate you both coming on such short notice, especially. Of course. Yeah, yeah, no, sure thing. Uh, Yeah, I just wasn't, yeah, I was. I just want to make sure. So for the future, um, should I just sort of like just kind of zip up here? I mean, I don't want to assume that there's going to be a second time, but like for the future, like should I just kind of like zip up here, or do you kind of prefer people take the pure tram? Which I mean, I'm just going to say also for the future, maybe like not try to give any notes or anything, but like you might want to put some like hazard tape down there or something. Um, Lyra just reaches over and puts her hand on your shoulder and just does a squeeze, just a gentle gentle squeeze yes anyway sorry thrilled to be here um what can we do for you luminary is definitely gonna raise an eyebrow and gonna say next time huh uh yeah um, uh, yeah. well we would hope that the relations remain positive between us all she is gonna direct her attention to Bethel, 
give you like a small smirk and say, it's been a while. How have you been? Staying out of trouble? It's been busy. Exceedingly so, I think. But you didn't call us here to ask about that, I'm sure. Luminary is going to take that in for a second, and then she is going to nudge Nightfall, standing next to her, and is going to like lean over and sort of stage whisper, See? Told you I like her. Nightfall is going to smile and shake her head and say, You can follow us. We'll go somewhere more comfortable to talk. They lead you through the entrance to the Sky Spire, which again, it looks like it is sort of a dual-purpose hangar slash everyday entrance for people who can't fly. The doors are definitely not open all of the way, just enough so where a person could comfortably walk through with enough clearance on either side. There are a few vehicles that you can see in the hangar as well, very like high-tech, advanced-looking planes. There is a cube in one corner of the hangar that takes up basically the entirety of it. It is a solid metal cube. You can't see what's inside of it, but there is one clearly outlined entrance to it that is currently closed, and emblazoned on that, you would see an emblem that looks like a hammer. Passing that, they lead you out of the hangar into a regular corridor. There are no windows in here, and there really aren't that many doors either. But they turn a couple corners with you in tow and take you all the way to the end of the hallway that does end in a sliding door itself. The lighting in here, I will say, even though there are no windows, it is illuminated very softly. It's not like harsh fluorescent lighting. It's fairly soft, comfortable lighting, though it does give it kind of a dim feeling to it. But in a way, it's it's kind of soothing. The doors at the end of the hallway slide open as you approach, and on the other side of it, you find yourself standing in a room that is largely dominated by a table. It is a large, circular table made out of wood, very old-looking. One wall of this room is complete, just complete floor-to-ceiling glass window. There's a lot of natural light streaming through. There's an amazing view of both Tharbor and the city, obviously. There are chairs set around this table. You can see that each of the chairs is emblazoned on the back with a different emblem. Without walking around the table, you don't see them all, but you can see, as you look, the emblem of the hammer that you saw before. You can see a starburst emblem that matches the one that is on the front of Luminary's costume. And you can also see the emblem that is a cross guard of a sword. Luminary will walk to the chair that matches her emblem. Nightfall will walk to the chair that has the hilt and uh, cross guard emblem. And they will both sit down. Luminary will gesture for you to take some seats. Just like uh, and, and anywhere? I mean, yeah, take your pick, honestly. Magical. Not gonna bite you. Magical. I have two questions. You say that, and um, your Magical at full volume says, <laughs> "Yes, Alex. What can I do for you? Can you look up symptoms of a panic attack? Would you like me to monitor your vitals and see if you are having a panic attack right now? Yes, that's my second question. There's a little chime. 
and she says, You are having a panic attack. Congratulations. Okay, good. Thank you, Magil. Alex, put your head between your knees. Nope. Sit down nope. and put your head between your knees. Absolutely not. This is a new experience for all of us. Actually, Magil, it's not. I've dealt with this before with children. Alex, put your fucking head between your knees before you pass out. Not in front of Luminary! Alex, what's worse? <laughs> passing out in front of Luminary or just calming the fuck down? I haven't decided yet. I'll let you know. And Alex will pull out a seat that he thinks is not too close to Luminary in Nightfall to seem overly friendly, but also not so far away that it feels like he is being purposefully distant. The most plain looking of the chairs just has an emblem that is a sphere. Sure, sounds great. Cool. As you are having this conversation, this interaction, Nightfall has kind of this lightly concerned expression on her face, more sympathetic really than anything, but Luminary is clearly working very hard not to just laugh like she's sitting back in her chair her arms are crossed across her chest and she is holding back laughter she says ah this never gets old lyra will just take the seat that puts her between alex and them since he is clearly having a moment so she will she will put herself in between them luminary is going to continue kind of chuckling but nightfall is going to Look at you, Lyra, and lean forward and say, is he going to be okay? Do do you need a minute? You know what? I feel like if you give him the time, it might make it worse. He kind of works better if you don't give him a chance. Oh, yeah. Okay. Luminary says, got it. And then she will say in a very loud, commanding voice, Alex, stop that. Uh, You only realize (laughs) that once it's gone, there was uh, an imperceptible shaking in the room. Across the entire room, the entire table, all of the uh, chairs and everything that was the result of Alex frantically bouncing his knee under the table. (laughs) It has now stopped. Nightfall folds her hands on the table and says, again, we really appreciate you coming here on short notice. Uh, I'm sure you have had a lot of questions about what exactly this is about. And I've a good place to start off would just be to to answer them. Victory, we wanted to talk to you. Bethel, we were told that you are the leader of Squad H. I am. So we wanted you to be present for this conversation. Understood. And I'll kind of sit a little bit more back in the chair so that I can, like, see more of Alex in my peripheral vision. I want to make it clear that this conversation is not punitive or our attempt to get you to betray anyone, but we have some questions. And on the heels of that, Luminary is indelicately going to interject and say, who is Dr. Victory? Because this guy came out of nowhere, and so far he's acting like a hero. He's been doing a lot of good but nobody knows him. Nobody's ever heard of him before. Aside from a couple comic books from decades ago. Now heroes showing up and then young people imitating them is not uncommon. But as far as we can tell, you came first. 
Victory came before Dr. Victory. Ah, uh, well, I mean, it's never really particularly been a secret. It's just that nobody ever believed me before. I guess I'll, I'll kind of give you I guess, a recap uh, of, I guess, a little bit of my uh, interview that I gave to the Academy when they admitted me. A while back, uh, I came to believe through research, uh, rigorous research, that the Dr. Victory comic books from the 1980s were uh, fictionalized, but essentially documentary accounts of the exploits of a real contemporary superhero. And that said superhero had ultimately somehow been erased from history. Uh, It took me a while to track him down, but eventually I discovered that, yes, I was correct, that Dr. Victory was real. He had been a superhero, contemporaneous with the uh, First Union Heroic. But sometime in the early 1990s, during a confrontation with his uh, nemesis, the Deathless Comrade, both of them were erased effectively from the timeline. Okay. That's a lot. I have some questions. Uh, I I feel like I I know I can anticipate um, at least one of them. Why is he back now? Where has he been? But yeah. Well, so where he has that, mm, that is, that is a much more complicated question. Well, I don't know that he told me not to tell anybody. So, okay. So, The Dr. Charles McManus Jr. from this universe was depowered by the confrontation that he had with his arch-nemesis Deathless Comrade. This left him essentially a mere mortal man with only the comic books surviving. Why those comic books survived when no other record of Dr. Victory did, I have no idea. Upon uh, my interactions with this version of Dr. Charles McManus Jr., going to put a pin in that, we're going to come back to that later, he was ultimately able to help me use the copy of the Dr. Victory manual that I had found at an old used bookshop to replicate the fitness system that he used to gain superpowers. And that's how I became Victory. He really wanted to go with Victory Lad. I'm not, I still, I can't, no, I've tried really hard. It's not, it doesn't roll off the tongue. I don't like it. So I did that and I started doing the Victory thing. Um, So in a way, I kind of did come first, depending on how you look at it from like a timeline perspective. But then some things happened in the uh, I don't know. It's like a dream place. It was in the um, underground dimension from the tree inside of Michael Raven Holmes' house. Um, and under her breath, you hear Luminary say, "Fucking Michael." To, to be fair to Michael, um, he didn't know that uh, that was going to happen. Or that we were in there. Uh, no, no. Um, it, he, he had no idea. Just the house. Only the house knew. That's even more, Michael. Go on. So um, we did that. And then when I told when I told Dr. Charles McMahon, it's mortal man, about Deathless Comrade, we were talking about it. And then he had a seizure and was admitted to the hospital and was in a coma. I did potentially a very stupid thing. And I accessed the victory mindscape without his permission. In there, I found a depowered Dr. McManus, who was a much younger version of his former self, who 
um, had no memory of ever being Dr. Victory. That was very concerning. He asked me to find his wife. I still haven't done that. I'm feeling kind of guilty about that now that I say that out loud. When I came back out, I had more questions than answers, but somehow when that happened, it put out a call into the multiverse and a different Dr. Victory from another timeline where he was never depowered entered our universe through the Victory Mindscape, replacing Dr. Charles McManus Jr., Mortal Man. And that roughly brings us up to the present day, though he was being kind of caged about being about being from a parallel universe. Um, but I did weasel it out of him eventually. I think I think that's it. Oh, and then also then I finally unlocked the rest of my victory powers. And yes, okay. Does it answer your questions? Lyra's just sitting there next to Alex, like trying to maintain composure, but she's really fighting the urge to turn to him and be like, when the fuck did this happen? When did you have time to do this? (laughs) She's trying very hard to seem like this is not news to her. Uh, They're both stunned, speechless, as you finish this absolute outpouring of information, and Luminary finally says, I'm half alien, and she has Excalibur? And that is somehow the most comic book shit I have ever heard. But I can at least vouch for the part where uh, he's talking about the the comics actually working, because he didn't look like that a year ago. And Alex gives Bethel some side eye, because she's tacitly confirming his secret theory, but he just (laughs) drums his fingers on the table about it. Lyra did tell him that he was in the right graduating class and then yep. she left. So like, yep. she's just been toying with him this whole time. I still do think that that might count for your team move. Who, me? Yeah, because you told them a secret about who you really are, even if it was tacit. You have confirmed a suspicion which means that Alex gets influence and you shift your mundane up and your mask label down. So mundane up, savior down in your case. And Alex, you get influence. So, and again, I already have influence over Bethel, so I guess I need to get to shift labels. Okay. Shift him again. Do it. Do it again. <laughs> Fuck me up. <laughs> oh, no. It's a good thing. Why do you keep saying fucking up? Because it just oh, keeps man. happening to me. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I am, okay, so okay, so it's a one up, one down. I am going to try to shift freak down and superior up. Cool. Luminary says, and just to be clear, you worked out really hard and now you can fly. So I worked out really, really hard. Uh, and also, there's also a lot of meditation involves a lot of mind over matter and also and also muscle over mind. Jesus Christ. Involved in this. Uh, and so then I could, I got super strength, I became invulnerable, and I got my super senses. I, I used the, the remember the, the, the physics vision when we were looking at the, the crystal tower, right? Yeah. Um, the, 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 the victory super senses. Now I can also fly and do telekinesis, and also I can shoot death rays from my eyeballs. Tell them about the food. <laughs> oh, so the diet's a big part of it, actually. 
and he pers- he will continue going until one of them stops him. Lyra's just amused now. <laughs> they let you go for a while, but Nightfall looks over at Luminary and says, Physics vision? And Luminary pats her hand and says, Don't ask. Okay, that's a tremendous amount of information. I mean, I for one was really surprised to learn how many mind nutrients are in eggshells. You just keep talking. Um, okay. You invited him here to talk. You did this I to you. I never could have anticipated this. I'm positive I said you just keep talking to Brendan word for word in college. <laughs> like, I thought there was going to be some element of having to, like, get to the bottom of this, but you just, like, opened your mouth and there the bottom was. Listen, all he wants is someone to believe him on this. Besides the squad. No one ever accused Alex of being deep. (laughs) Okay. Well, we believe you. Mostly, I think. I believe that you believe all of this. A lot of it doesn't make any sense. But I guess that's not exactly unusual in our world. Maybe... Maybe this is all true. So you're saying Dr. Victory is from another Earth. The Dr. Victory that you have been seeing flying around recently, that one is from another Earth. That is not to be confused with the Dr. Victory that is natively from this reality, but was erased from history. That is a different other Dr. Victory. His whereabouts are currently unknown. You mean he's just... Wait. And Lara kind of turns to look at... Wait. Listening to everything you just said, I just assumed he just, like, crawled into the other one's body. Are you saying that's not what happened? I I am not actually 100% sure, and neither is the other Dr. Victory. I mean, how hard is it to find... The new Dr. Victory. Yes. The one that you have been seeing recently. To be clear, that is the Dr. Victory from a different parallel reality where he was never erased from the timeline and never lost his powers. Okay. That is a lot. And they look at each other. And Nightfall looks back at you and says, Then I guess that brings us to the big question here. Victory. Can you vouch for him? Can you say... That he is not dangerous or a threat. That he is a hero. He lied to me. Or more specifically, he concealed the fact that he was not the Dr. Victory that I knew. And he has never really given me a satisfactory explanation as to why. At the same time, I have, to this point, only seen him act in a heroic fashion. And he has, in his own way, genuinely tried to help me. As I have been working through my own heroic issues. I wish that I could tell you that I did trust him completely. But he's not my Dr. Victory. And while that Dr. Victory could be kind of an asshole, I knew who he was. 
So can I give this Dr. Victory my complete and wholehearted endorsement? I, I don't even know what would qualify me to do that, but I don't know if I can. Much that hurts me to say it, I know that if I do that and I'm wrong, the people could get hurt. I don't want that to happen. But at the same time, I want to make clear, aside from his initial deception about his origin, had no reason to be suspicious of his intentions. All right. We appreciate your honesty. That gives us a lot to think about, but we know a lot more now than we did before. I realize this must be a hard situation for you to be in. It sounds like you and the original Dr. Victory were close. In our own way. Well, I think that is all of our questions. They look at each other again. We really appreciate you coming all the way here again. Do you mind if I ask you a question? They look surprised, but Nightfall says, sure. Is there anything that you're not telling me? Do you have any reason? Anything that makes you suspicious of Dr. Victory? They try another look, and Luminary says... There are levels to this. Not not formal ones. We don't we don't really have a formal system for categorizing people with powers. The de facto indicator that we tend to fall back on is uh well exactly how much damage could they do? If they went rogue, or if they tried to, would they be able to hurt a few people? Would they be able to destroy a city? Would they be able to destroy the world? There are not a lot of people flying around that we don't keep tabs on, especially not if they could destroy a city in a matter of seconds. Based on everything we've seen, Dr. Victory falls into that category. People like that, they don't usually spring up overnight. So what you're telling me is that this is right now just acting out of an abundance of caution. I can promise you that. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that there wasn't uh, something that I needed to know that, that I didn't know. In this case... You know more than we do. Hence us bringing you in. In that case, my my verdict stands. We'll walk you out. Thank you both again. Of course. Thank you for asking. They walk you out through the corridors again, out into the hangar, Past the planes and the box and everything, the doors slide open partway, letting you out into the open air of Province Harbor once again. The platform is still waiting for you out there, 
Are you hopping on it? Before they do, I think Lyra does want to just ask real quickly of Luminary if they can step to the side. Because Lyra's operating under the assumption that they have to know that Masterson let her speak to her sister. And I think all that Lyra will kind of want to ask is if Luminary knows what they're going to do with Nina at this point. Because right now her family still doesn't know, but she doesn't know how much longer that lie is going to stay valid. Especially if, you know, they're going to, like, put her on trial or something. So I think she will just kind of, like, pause and ask her if she can have a moment. And in response to your questions, Luminary is going to kind of cross her arms over her chest, looking uncomfortable for the first time since you have met her. She's going to say, I will be 100% honest with you. That is outside of our jurisdiction. The Union works with Interspec, but Interspec is the worldwide recognized governing body regarding superhuman regulation. Okay. Yeah. In my experience, whatever happens next has more to do with your sister and the choices that she makes. Obviously, they're keeping her in the labyrinth. They will offer counseling, treatment, maybe. I'll be 100% transparent with you. Counseling and treatment aside, not a lot of people leave the labyrinth. And that's what doesn't feel right to me. Because I think that's what she's banking on. And I don't know how else to explain that feeling other than... I don't know. You think she got herself arrested on purpose? Something just doesn't feel right. When I have gotten the chance to speak to her... She doesn't seem to be quite as... She seems more angry that I didn't take her side when she offered it to me than the fact that she is where she is. And those priorities don't seem right to me, especially when... Especially when she came to the city to do something. You would think that she would be a little bit more put out about the fact that she didn't get to accomplish whatever she came here to do just doesn't feel right. Have you told Masterson any of this? I told him what she said to me the last time that I was there. I don't know if he did anything about it. I don't know. I would assume he listened. Eh, That's giving him a lot of credit. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's just weird. I'm trying to decide if Lyra's going to say anything about Glenn, because the issue is she's she has said something about Glenn to Leo. And she's still extremely concerned because right now Glenn is like the only one who is there to help Burke. And she once again returns to her trolley situation surrounding Glenn and Burke. Look, you mentioned it to Masterson. I'm sure he told someone competent. They're probably taking precautions, but if it helps, I've been doing this for a long time. As far as I know, only one person has ever escaped 
from the labyrinth. And that was Hieronymus Fugit. Your sister might be good, but she is not Hieronymus Fugit. True words. All right. You have a good night, then. Afternoon, evening. What is it? Four o'clock? Oh, no. And she's going to head on back to where... <laughs> back to the horrible little platform. You get back on the platform and you are left with that image of Nightfall, who has pulled the cowl back up from her cloak. Her face is now shrouded in darkness once again, standing next to Luminary. As you start to sink down, Nightfall is going to put one arm sort of comfortingly around Luminary's waist. And then your platform dips below the edge of the sky spire, hovers back down to the end of the pier, reconnects itself, and you are free to go. Does Magil tell us about Kaz's text message? <laughs> or has Magil been keeping her mouth shut? <laughs> A lot has happened. Your meeting was pretty quick. So I will say that like, as your platform sinks down to reconnect to the pier and as it does so, both of your Magils chime from your phones. Squad alert. Yes? Wh what is it? Spectral is in trouble. Oh, God like a magnet <laughs> key location now alex uh looks at his phone and is looking at the presumably fairly sedate speed that the platform is descending uh bethel i know it isn't maybe the most dignified way to travel but <laughs> oh look like i'm not gonna like carry you I, I can give you like just like like drape over like my shoulders like I'm not gonna like carry you like if that's better oh god okay fine if you drop me I will haunt you uh, I will definitely not drop you I have not dropped anyone yet have you carried anyone yet god damn she got me just as awkward as can be, just climb on his back. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> she's, just, she's just like, I hate this. I hate this. And, uh, yeah, and Victory's gonna blast off. <laughs> you fly through the air, Bethel, it is awful. Um, <laughs> you're, you're basically hanging onto a plane for dear life. It's not great. You zoom across the city to the location of the squad alert. Just in time to see the aftermath of the cleanup, uh, you see that there are some officers milling around, people who are kind of like sitting on the curb outside or talking to the police or being examined by EMTs. But I think by the time you get there, probably Kaz is nowhere to be found. There's a woman in like a business suit and she's talking to one of the reporters and she'll say, there was, there was a hero who saved us. I don't remember his name. I saw him on choir. I, I all I this is really embarrassing. I only remember it. It was tagged hashtag bone magic. <laughs> Kaz, do you head back to the suite? I do, and I think I think what would be seen is. Kaz has gone through the whole trip back, especially, you know, needing to be on public transportation and that sort of thing. 
like very much holding it together. Oh, so the Farbrex was like around the corner from the campus. It was very close by. Oh, good. So no <laughs> need for public transportation. Yes, yeah, Incredible. Yeah. We but love this. But our public this. transit's so good. It is very good. It is very good. Retconning that. <laughs> so yes, no public transportation. Um, he walks back. He's keeping it together pretty well. Probably until he reaches Ellis Tower and starts to head up the stairs. And as he gets closer and closer to the dorm, I don't think he's even aware of this, but like his entire body is starting to shake. And he hasn't even really thought about it, but I think his magic pops on again. Two bone knives appear in his hands. And he heads to the dorm, opens the door, and just strides right in, making a beeline to chase, and says, We need to fucking talk. So I think we're, uh, I am playing with uh, Danathan, my new best friend. Um, I pulled out my <laughs> uh, Heroes versus Villain decks, and I'm teaching him how to play. And I'm like, So I sacrifice one of my Luminary. And my Dr. Mythos <laughs> and summon Paragon. Okay? But he can't attack on this turn because he was just summoned. Right? So I put these two in my graveyard and I end my turn. See, now it's your turn. <laughs> Danny is not following the rules at all. I'm like, Kaz, what's going on? What 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 do we need what do we need to talk about? What happened? What's going on? How'd your meeting go? It doesn't sound like it went super well. Oh, it didn't go super well. I think my question right now is if you know why it didn't go well. And I think at that point, Kaz is going to take out his phone. And I would assume there are probably videos of the confrontation going around on social media. He's going to have his two knives in one hand, the phone in the other, and just hold it up to Chase and say, what the fuck is this? And Chase, you see on the phone a group of people dressed like you, but with these long, dark coats over them. You feel like dread wash over you because you've kind of always been afraid of this. There was a group of majority worshippers, a group of people who thought that the way the ex-hero majority was like the only true hero. Violence and bloodshed indiscriminately in the face of crime, quote-unquote. But when your dad entered the scene, a large contingent of them adopted the theory that he was actually majority. And now, looks like they've maybe latched onto you. Okay, wait, let me... Um, so it kind of looks like... Um... They look like so. Okay, so do you know? Do you know who Constellation is? No. No. Okay. I mean, so it was like a really. You may have seen it or not. It's like a really popular show in the nineties. It was like a daytime drama. Love among the stars. Love among the stars. Do you know Love Among the Stars? Get to the fucking point. Danny is eating the cards. Okay, so there's. <laughs> They had to see the cards. Okay, so there's the show, Love Among the Stars. Uh, it was starring 
starring Constellation, featuring Constellation, and guest star Constellation. So anyway, and I flip on the TV real quick and just start scanning through channels. Chase, Chase. You'll get it. You'll get it. Chase. I don't know. See. No, I don't, I, I don't I, need I, to fucking get it. Here, look. See? Chase, I will stab you. I mean, that's like really rude. Here, check my note. I'm still a good guy. The headmaster said so. Um, but look, see on TV, and there's like a rerun playing of Love Among the Stars. Um, this is the one where his evil twin brother, also played by Constellation, steals his wife or kidnaps his wife, but she doesn't know <laughs> because she looks he looks exactly like Constellation, right? So all of this is to say that there's a hero. He went by Constellation. He wore a similar outfit, right? But he's gone now. And I may have adopted his look a little bit, but that's not me, you know? I don't know what the fuck does that mean, Chase? If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the APOC, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined, it really does help us out so much. The donation link to our First Nations Development Institute fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help support Indigenous communities. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Character art by at OxyBellasDraws on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find out in two weeks on the next episode of Mask. <laughs> on the next episode of Love Among the Stars. <laughs> Love yeah. Among the Stars. Love Among the Stars. I am uncomfortable with the energy in the room right now. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> I like the idea. Danny was just sitting there with like the cards, and he's just eating them with like popcorn. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's exactly. Yeah, it was a panic response. Absolutely. <laughs> just like just.
Does Danny have <laughs> ooh, ooh, pica? Does Danny have pica? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Danny hasn't seen a doctor. What doesn't Danny have? 